One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. A true crime podcast. I am Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. And uh, I, I got a Peloton, you guys. I'm, uh, I'm one of those people now. And I'm not going to talk about it, but I am sore from head to fucking toe. So it's Sadie's night, luckily. And I'm just going to sit over here and groan and creak and murmur. Murmur about it? Uh, well, in response. I can't. That's all I got. I'm just a, <laughs> I'm just a dried up. But bag of bones. Poor, and poor Courtney. Torqued muscles. I'm fully torqued, you guys. <laughs> but well, anyway, I promise I won't talk about my Peloton. But if you want to follow me, it's Courtney X79. Um, <laughs> but what do you have for us tonight, Sadie? Well, this is Execution by Firing Squad. No! What? The Life and Death of Ronnie Lee Gardner. Holy shit. Okay. Ronnie Lee Gardner was born on January 16, 1961, in Salt Lake City, Utah. He was the youngest of seven children. When he was just 18 months old, Ronnie's father, Dan, who was a terrible alcoholic, abandoned his family to start over with a new woman. When Ronnie was two years old, he was found wandering the streets alone, severely underweight, and only wearing a diaper. Oh, buddy. And what was described as, quote, an extremely rare move for the early 60s, he was taken from his mother, Ruth, who was clearly unable or unwilling to care for her child. Despite his severe neglect, Ronnie was returned back to her custody after only a short time apart. Ruth was known for wearing her husband's belt around her neck to serve as a visual warning for her children. And even though he was frequently punished with physical violence, Ronnie said he refused to cry or do as he was told. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Ronnie had little to no relationship with his father. When they did spend time together, Dan was sure to tell his son that he did not believe he was Ronnie's biological dad. 
Super good parenting. That yeah. helps kids. They That is good for children. Yes. When Ronnie was four years old, he was hospitalized with meningitis. Mm. His family said he came back as a different child after recovering. Mm-hmm. He was mostly raised by his older sister and says he was frequently sexually abused by his siblings and their friends starting at the age of five. Oh my God. Yup. Why do some people get the dark cloud over them? I don't know, but he never won in life ever. No, that is a big fat fucking lose right from the start. Yes. In 1968, Ruth remarried. Ronnie looked up to his stepdad, who used his stepsons as lookouts while burglarizing homes. Well, father-son bonding? Yeah. Ronnie started drinking and using drugs, including huffing glue and gas at the age of nine. I also read in some of the articles that it started as early as six. Oh, bud. Yeah. Around this time, he was arrested for stealing cowboy boots with his older brother, Randy, and they were brought into juvenile detention. And he's like six? Well, this would be probably like nine or ten. Nine? Still. Yeah, but still. Yeah. When their dad came to get them, he only bailed out Randy and made Ronnie stay behind, which of course devastated him. (laughs) After this, Ronnie would find himself in and out of juvenile detention for the next few years. Those around him described a boy who would go from being happy and charming to terrifying and full of rage. Mm Mm-hmm. This prompted his mother to commit him to the Utah State Mental Hospital when he was 11 years old. Oh my god. Despite Ronnie not having any known mental illness at the time. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Doctors at the hospital found his home life so dysfunctional that they thought Ronnie would be better off living in a mental institution. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. Wow. I I couldn't get any like super details, but you can just imagine. Yeah, I've never heard those words before. Like, no. this is, you're better off here. 11? Yeah, you should stay here with us. Oh, man. Quote, his parents had essentially given up on him. Dr. Craig Haney, who is a psychology professor who evaluated Ronnie, said, quote, they put him in a mental hospital. He didn't have a mental illness. It was a terrifying place. There were children who were psychotic, children who exhibited bizarre behavior. He was physically small and immature. One doctor said that the 11-year-old had the bone structure of a 5-year-old. Oh, buddy. God. Once admitted into the hospital, his formal schooling stopped. He only made it to the fourth grade before dropping out for good. (laughs) I just... Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, good thing the system worked for him. Also, just when, when the baby factory is plomping out the babies... Mm-hmm. And you get dropped into that fucking life? Mm-hmm. Like, it just doesn't, I can't wrap my mind around it. Nope. Let's just sit and think about that for a minute. It's fucking awful. Yeah, I know that I get to have an awesome life, and then this kid gets, like, l- legitimately neglected, tort- beaten, abused, abandoned to a mental institution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> meningitis. An orphanage. Yeah. Meningitis. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah. In 1975, at the age of 14, after leaving another round of juvenile detention, Ronnie went to live with a known pedophile <laughs> named Jack Stat, whom his oh. older brother Randy, I know, whom his older brother Randy had met at a bus station. 
The man had offered Randy $25 for oral sex. He agreed, and the two started living together. So this is the older brother. My jaw is, like, up, down the road. Mm-hmm. God, these poor kids. I know. When Ronnie moved in, Stat became his official foster parent, <sighs> despite the social workers being concerned about the relationship he had with underage boys. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. He was sexually abused by Stat frequently and says he was paid to have sex with other men while living there. He thought that this was normal at the time and would later say his time in foster care was the most stable period of his life. Oh my god. No. Quote, Jack was a good man and he tried to help us out. Around the same time, Ronnie met a teen named Deborah and the two started dating. She described Ronnie as, quote, very caring. He never put me in the rough situations that he was in throughout his life. He sheltered me from that stuff. Mm. The two would have a daughter in May of 1977. Ronnie was 16 years old when he had his daughter. Oh, my God. And then a son in February of 1980. The same month his son was born, Ronnie was convicted of robbery and sent to Utah State's maximum security prison. (laughs) He would spend more than a year in prison before he managed to escape on April 19th, 1981. I'm, I'm, in this case, I'm rooting for Ronnie. Like, see, no, I you couldn't know figure I mean. out how he escaped this time, but there's some more coming up. He was on the run for two weeks before he decided to confront a man who was sleeping with his girlfriend. I also read that he thought she had been raped. The mm-hmm. mom of his children mm-hmm. had been raped by this guy. So anyway, right. he was he was going to go get this guy. Uh, When he found the man, he stabbed him, and then the two exchanged gunfire. Whoa. Yeah. Ronnie was shot in the neck, and the man managed to escape the ordeal alive. Ronnie was rearrested after trying to hide in a truck after the attack. Wow. Yeah. Shot in the neck. Wow. Back in prison, he was in trouble constantly and was even identified as the ringleader of a prison riot where a group of inmates barricaded themselves in one of the prison blocks and started fires. (laughs) In 1981, he tried to escape again by fleeing the visiting room while he waited to see the Board of Pardons. He attempted to scale the razor wire fence, but was shot by a guard with a shotgun before he could escape. He survived these wounds... And was put back into custody. Oh my god. He was later in trouble for attacking a guard with a screwdriver. Ronnie. Mm hmm. Can somebody give Ronnie a break? No. Nope. Ronnie gets no breaks. Ronnie also doesn't give many breaks, <laughs> to be honest, as mm-hmm. he becomes a crazy ass adult. Oh, really? Shocking. Oh, yeah. I'm shocked to hear that things don't go well in his stability and mental health. No. On August 6th, 1984, Ronnie faked an illness by making himself puke and was brought to the University of Utah Hospital for treatment. Mm -hmm. Once he was there, he managed to overpower his guard, steal his gun, and flee the hospital. In the parking lot, he ran into Mike Lynch, who was a medical student. Gardner pointed his gun at his back and ordered him to give him a ride. Mike remembered Ronnie saying, quote, I don't want to kill you, but I have nothing to lose. Ronnie took Mike's clothes and motorcycle he let Mike go without hurting him. Good. This time he was on the run for three months, staying in Salt Lake City the whole time. 
On October 24th, 1984, Ronnie, who later said he was high on cocaine, walked into the Cheers bar. It was called the Cheers bar. (laughs) After taking all the money he could find, which only ended up being around $100, he shot the bartender, Mm. 37-year-old Melvin John Otterstrom, in the face, killing him instantly. Mm. So we're going to, we have a couple victims here, and uh, Courtney... They're just lovely people, and I fucking hate it. This story is the worst story you've ever it's told. It's so... I know. It's so fucked this up. This is one of those lose-lose all the way around. Yes. Everybody loses. Yeah. Lose. Damn it. Melvin was a husband to the love of his life, Kathy, and a father to his only son, who was three at the time of his death. <laughs> he was an Eagle Scout who was known for his love of the outdoors. He spent his free time camping, hiking, and hunting. He was a veteran of the 19th Special Forces Group of the Utah National Guard, and he worked at the Utah Paper Box Company during the day and was a bartender only one night a week to help support his family. Oh, my God. His niece, Jenny, said, quote, He was the glue in our family. Melvin was security and safety to us. And when he was gone, it was now what? He was safety. He would be there to help us if we needed him. Many times I've thought, if Melvin was here, maybe that would be different. He was known for his outgoing and funny personality and could bring people to tears by playing beautiful music on his trumpet. Oh, come on. (laughs) Give me a break. (sighs) Why, Melvin? I just fucking hate it. So much. When Melvin failed to return home the night he was killed... His wife, Kathy, went to the bar to see what was keeping him. She was the one to find him laying face up in a pool of his own blood. It would take three weeks before Ronnie's then-girlfriend, her name was Darcy McCoy, uh, she went to police and told them she had helped plan the robbery with Ronnie and admitted to being the getaway driver the night of Melvin's murder. Police were able to locate Ronnie at his cousin's house and arrest him. When Melvin's family learned who killed their loved one, they realized in horror that Ronnie had attended Melvin's funeral, (gasps) pretending to be a childhood friend. No, Ronnie, no. Yes. Oh, boy. No. He was arrested and charged with murder and for escaping prison and was held on $1.5 million bail. Wow. Wow. In the Mm -hmm. 80s. Mm Mm-hmm. Shit. Ronnie would tell police that he and Melvin got into a fight that night and the gun had accidentally gone off, but the evidence would show that Melvin was shot while lying on his back, the gun pressed against his nose. Yep. It becomes much harder to feel sorry for Ronnie. Yeah, that's right on at the point where things shift into you're on your own, Ronnie. Mm -hmm. A few months would pass as the prosecution prepared for Ronnie's murder trial. On April 2nd, 1985, Ronnie was being transported from the prison to the courthouse for a pretrial hearing. As Ronnie and his guards walked through the basement of the courthouse, Ronnie, who was handcuffed and shackled, suddenly had a gun. What? Yeah. And started shooting at his guards. What? Yeah, man. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yes. Get your shit together. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Had a fucking gun. 
The guard shot back at Ronnie and managed to shoot him through the lung. This is his third gunshot wound. Oh my god. In his life. In the lung. Like serious gunshot wound. What is it? Neck? Neck. Shotgun. I don't, they didn't say what those wounds were, but But, shot by a shotgun. And then. And now through the lung. Good god. As Ronnie tried to flee, he shot and wounded an unarmed bailiff. His name was George Nick Kirk in the abdomen. Mm Mm-mm. Nick had heard about the shooting and had ran down five flights of stairs to, quote, protect his judge. Oh, buddy. No. Oh, come on. Ronnie then retreated into the courthouse archive room where he found two lawyers, Robert Macri and Michael Burdell, hiding behind the door. He pointed the gun at Robert, ready to shoot, but at the last minute, Michael yelled, quote, Oh, my God, causing Ronnie to turn the gun on Michael instead. Oh. He shot Michael once through the eye. Oh, fuck me. God. He would be rushed to the hospital where he would later die in surgery. Um, I guess, and I know I say it here later, but just so you know, the bailiff survives. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. (laughs) Somebody. (laughs) Yeah. Just not to leave you hanging. The bailiff, he manages to survive his wounds. Okay, good. Michael was born on September 21st, 1948, and was the second of 10 children. He started his life by helping his siblings and would continue to help people throughout the rest of his life. He was a Vietnam veteran and refused to use a weapon during the war. Oh, come on! Ugh! <laughs> uh. No, I know. He was a president of the Astrological Society of Utah, and he put himself through law school after he was discharged from the military. I'm going to kill you. I know, Courtney. I'm so sorry. (sighs) He worked as a defense attorney, often representing people no one else wanted to help, and usually worked for his clients pro bono. Because of course he did. Because he he was an angel on this earth. Uh, Why, why, why? He would have been the first to volunteer to help Ronnie Gardner if the chance had been presented to him. Yep. He was described as, quote, inquisitive, hated violence, and laughed a lot with an infectious laugh. (laughs) He was easygoing and easy to be around. When asked about Michael, his fiancée, Donna New, said, quote, When he laughed, there was no way I couldn't laugh. He was so willing to lighten my day. He always wanted to give more than he received, if that's possible. My heart has broken. No. His brother Joseph remembered his brother's selflessness. Quote, money never did mean much to him. His goal in life was just to help people out. On the day he died, Michael was at the courthouse representing an incapacitated Vietnam veteran for free. After his death, his family found that Michael only had $5.97 in his checking account. Oh my God. He was like a tr- actual saint like oh my god just doing god's work man right after shooting michael ronnie made his way down to the second floor where he came across a man filling a candy machine (laughs) (sighs) like leave the fucking to that man (laughs) was uh someone selling balloon animals next to him i know was a free hug station Mm mm-hmm and then there was a group of nuns, and then there was... Like, 
He pointed his gun at him and demanded a ride. As the two walked through the hallway leading to the main doors, the man jumped out of an open window. Thank God. Thank God. Good job. Great. Leaving Ronnie without his hostage or his ride. Fuck yeah. It's like the best decision anybody's ever made. (laughs) Boo! Let's guess. Yes. Learn from that guy. Once Ronnie was outside, he found himself surrounded by dozens of police officers. He dropped his gun, fell to his knees, and yelled, quote, don't shoot, I don't have a gun. <laughs> now. Now. Right. Now I don't. I, don't. Now. I just dropped it, so we're good. I, cool. I managed to smuggle one into the courthouse where I had been held on one plus million dollars bail for however long, but right. I don't have one now. Right. And let's not forget, the, this whole time, he has been shot through the lung, and he's <laughs> bleeding profusely. Oh my God. This whole time. I did forget. So yeah, thank you, you did. For reminding me. You're welcome. What the fuck? Yeah, there's pictures. I'll post pictures of him after he's arrested. Just like he's got his outfit is his like prison uniform is white and it's just like blood and. Ugh. I guess if you survive meningitis, then you're probably pretty much bulletproof. A, yeah, yeah. You know that's just not to be fucking trifled with. Yeah, yeah. Right. Ugh. As authorities investigated what had gone wrong, they learned that Ronnie's girlfriend Darcy had a sister. Karma Hainsworth, who had helped with the escape. Mm-hmm. They believed Darcy had also helped, but had a hard time pinning her to the scene that day. And D- Darcy was the getaway driver when right. Ronnie killed Melvin. Right. Most eyewitnesses only saw Karma in the courthouse and said that she had spent hours wandering the halls before Ronnie arrived. There was also some talk of how Karma and Darcy look a lot alike, so it's hard uh-huh. to kind of know didn't necessarily see see them together but the eyewitnesses said it was karma but it might have also been darcy got it during a search of the building they found a bag of men's clothing in the basement taped under a woman's restroom sink and believed karma had brought the gun and bag of clothes to the courthouse and hid them she either fuck did he get sorry Sorry. no that's okay (laughs) 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 they don't just let you go to the restroom well right Right. I mean, yeah. I think the clothes was for after he escaped. Right. Totally. Yeah. Why did I get that fucking gun? Yeah. So they think that she either taped the gun under a water fountain where Ronnie was able to retrieve it or could have handed it to him herself. Uh-huh. Uh, the stories differ and don't seem to be 100% conclusive. Man. So. Still. The fact still. that he got it. What mm-hmm. the hell? Yep. They also later found evidence that Karma had been passing Ronnie notes to tell him the escape plan when she visited him in prison. Mm-hmm. The day of the shootings, police did find Darcy about a mile from the courthouse and arrested her, but never found any conclusive evidence to tie her to the crimes. Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine how this happened, especially these days with security as tight as it is in most courthouses. <laughs> yes. But it's because of instances like this. Mm-hmm. That caused the armed guards and metal detectors to be put in place. Get it. Former prosecutor Kent Morgan said, quote, Nobody worried about guns back then. I thought all crime was outside and never imagined there would be a crime in the courthouse. We had infinite faith in our police and bailiffs. Gardner took us by surprise. We thought death and wounding could happen anywhere in the city, but we really thought we were safe inside the county courthouse. Mm-hmm. People could come and go as they pleased, even in areas where prisoners were being transported. And the jail was located in the courthouse basement and was known for its terrible condition. 
It wasn't uncommon for people being held there to escape through the decaying drywall <laughs> or the false ceiling. <laughs> like poke up through the popcorn ceiling and get shimmy through the vents. Like, come on, I, you guys. I really legitimately feel so sorry for co- modern day criminals and murderers. Seriously. Just get away with whatever. It's like that John Mulaney joke about how bank robbers used to like dress up and machine gun their name into the side of the bank and like shout it out as they drove away <laughs> seriously <laughs> totally yep. you know, the way you got away with bank robbing was just to leave <laughs> yes <laughs> uh the jail and courthouse wouldn't be moved until the year 2000 which was 15 years after ronnie's attempted escape <laughs> guys and then they finally upgraded oh my god yep so Karma Hainsworth, uh, Ronnie's accomplice, was sentenced to eight years for her crimes. Police were never able to find enough evidence to tie Darcy to the escape plan, so she was never charged. Mm-hmm. Ronnie would be charged with murder, attempted murder, and multiple other charges for his crime spree that day. After a three-week trial, he was easily found guilty of murder. Mm-hmm. It would take the jury less than six hours to sentence him to death. Mm-hmm. Given the choice between lethal injection or the firing squad, Ronnie chose to die by firing squad. What would you choose? Lethal injection? Yeah, I don't me know. Too. Yeah, I, don't know. I just want to go night night and never But the, wake that's up. such a I mean I think that lethal injection has proven to be terrible also. Yeah, I think you're right. You just don't it doesn't bend. work. No. Right. I don't think they will care if it works right. right. But there's a better chance that it would work right. Firing squad, like that's so flinchy. You know, oh, God, I don't know. So many. No, I don't want to think about it. I don't like no. it. His case would take years to make its way through the appeals process, as it usually does. Uh-huh. Um, during that time, he continued to get into trouble in prison. <laughs> and in 19- I know, dude, he just cannot help himself. Uh, in 1994, he stabbed an inmate during a fight. I couldn't find out if the inmate lived. I think he did. Mm hmm. Uh, he also had a standoff with prison guards in the prison visiting room after he broke down a glass partition, barricaded the door, and then had sex with his half-brother's wife as officers looked on helplessly. Oh my god. I know. He's he's like feral. He's totally feral. That's the word for him. Yes. He doesn't give... He gives the least fucks. On the scale, you line up everybody in the whole wide world... He is like top ten. Yeah. Least I mean, given. I, I didn't come across that little paragraph until I was pretty much done with oh the story. And I God. was like, you know, just kinda like going through the articles and just seeing what I was missing. And there is a lot of information about this case. Yeah. And then I came across that and I was like, Okay, that is the life that he was living. He like having sex with his half brother's wife in a prison visiting room while guards watched and he was able to like do all of that make that happen for himself and like complete the sex act and or whatever you know like right that is that is crazy that's that's crazy it's bonkers crazy with your brother's wife like the fact that he wasn't in solitary confinement which i am a very big no 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 do not like solitary confinement whatsoever but right the fact yes. that he wasn't is fucking wild. Well, too. after his like second attempt of escaping prison, exactly, you know? and then the third one, and he's killing people, and then they're like, "Yeah, we'll just let him visit with people." 
That's family day. Yeah. Ronald, do you want us to take your picture in front of this Halloween decorate? You know how they well, always have like the right. like surely seasonal seasonal photo shoots with family members in person. Right. Like nobody would ever be able to break through this glass partition. And Ronnie's like, hold my beer. Hold on a minute. Here I come. <laughs> Oi, Ronald. Yeah. So in 1999, Ronnie started to go through a psychological evaluation to test if he was mentally fit to die. You know, like they do? Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm like, guess no. (laughs) Well, I guess so. Uh, He said that the process acted as a form of therapy for him. Uh For the first time in his life, he started to understand why he was the way he was. Oh, Ronnie. No. I mean, so again, like now we're getting... I only feel like a tiny bit sorry for him because shit got real, 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 but still. Well, and it's not even about feeling sorry for him. It's about the fact that had somebody fucking intervened before he killed a bunch of beautiful, precious, innocent fucking people. Yes. Well, you find a baby saved and all of these lives would have been saved. Yes. You find a baby in the street who's clearly neglected and abused. Yes. That that bare minimum that's when you step in and like save that child yeah two years old mommy wants to fucking abandon a baby to a mental institution maybe Mm -hmm. somebody steps in and says hmm maybe Mm -hmm. foster care would be more appropriate seriously and then you don't let him go be have foster dad that right i mean it's just like (laughs) on and on and on when the doctor at the mental hospital says he's better off here yeah and when his body is 11 year old body is the size of five year old like there's just so many times where intervention was appropriate yes not just appropriate but like screaming demanding to happen for this person and it did not fucking happen so no wonder yeah no wonder no i would be feral too if i had that much trauma in my body i would be fucking fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you totally every last one of you yes like as i dig more into my own mental health i'm just amazed that people like I was, I had a great upbringing. I had a yep. lovely family, and I'm still damaged. Yep. Like, no, yeah. this shit is not okay. It's no. not acceptable. Mm-mm. Not even a little bit. <sighs> so, yep. So he started to understand why he was the way he was, and began to feel remorse for his terrible actions. Mm-hmm. He admitted that the people he killed posed no threat to him. In an interview while in prison, Ronnie told the journalist, quote, I didn't want to change, he said, choking back emotion. I fought it for a long time, but I finally accepted it. That's the good thing about change. You have to really look at the damage that was done. I'm embarrassed, he said of his past. Mm-hmm. I'm ashamed of it. When I look back, it shocked me. Yup. In the last months before his death sentence was to be carried out, Ronnie pleaded with the Utah Parole Board for a pardon and for his sentence to be turned over to life in prison. Oh, wow. Yep. He told them that he had developed a new awareness of why he had been so violent and impulsive. Quote, I can't even apologize to the victims and it makes me sad, he said while crying. Mm. People at the courthouse that didn't even get hurt, I'm sure it traumatized them. Mm-hmm. He said he wanted to spend the rest of his life counseling young inmates and helping abused children with an organic farm program. Oh my God. Come on. This story can go straight to hell. (laughs) I know. 
Uh, he argued his execution would bring the families of his victims little comfort. Mm-hmm. Quote, I know killing me is going to hurt them just as bad, he said. I've been on the other side of that gun. Mm-hmm. To show he was trustworthy, Ronnie admitted to the parole board that Darcy McCoy had been his accomplice after all. He said her sister Karma had only brought him notes to plan the escape. Darcy was the one who did the rest. Darcy let her sister take the fall for the crime she had committed. Cool, Darcy. Mm -hmm. The victim's families were torn. Melvin's brother, Jason, told the parole board, quote, This story must be allowed to slip into history. Our families need peace. Mm -hmm. Mike Burdell's family, on the other hand, did not want Ronnie to be put to death and knew without a doubt it would have been the last thing Mike would have wanted. Oh, God, that brings tears to my eyes. Mike's niece, Donna, told journalists, quote, We put it behind us 25 years ago when it happened, she said. We didn't like that he kept saying he's being killed because he killed Mike. This is the last thing he would have wanted. I just hate that his family has to go through this now. She said many members of her family have felt angry, quote, like they were shut out when they constantly tried to point out that Mike wouldn't have wanted to see Gardner die on his behalf. Mm-hmm. quote, you just forgive, you just do. And if you don't forgive, it just hurts you. Michael is at peace. He's fine. <laughs> so Nick Kirk, the bailiff who was shot but survived his wounds, would die 11 years after the shooting. Mm. His family said his death was a result of his injuries, and he had never been the same. I'm sure. Because Nick had initially survived his wounds, they felt like he was the forgotten victim of Mm. Rodney Gardner and Mm. wanted him to pay for what he'd done. Mm -hmm. In the hours leading up to his death, Ronnie's mood was described as, quote, reflective and calm. He fasted from food in the 36 hours leading up to his death, drinking only vitamin water, Sprite, Coke, 7-Up, and Mountain Dew. He did have a last meal a few days before his death which was a feast of steak, lobster tail, apple pie, vanilla ice cream, and 7-Up. He slept, read mail, and watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, God, how stressful. (laughs) I know. Maybe it's like an escape enough that you don't have to think about your impending doom. I guess. I guess. Those things are so screamy in that second one. Yeah, that's true. By 8.45... Uh, That evening, he met with an LDS bishop he'd known for several years and trusted. As the execution neared, the family and friends of Ronnie held a candlelight vigil outside the prison. They were invited to be there. I think you could have had five family witnesses, but they chose not to. Mm -hmm. Uh, The family sang along to Leonard Skinner's Free Bird and held each other and wept. I know. At 12 a.m. on June 18, 2010, Ronnie entered the room where he'd die. He was strapped in a chair, a hood was placed over his head, and a white target was placed over his heart. Five anonymous executioners raised their rifles and fired their weapons from behind curtains and a ported brick wall. So, you know, like a brick wall with holes in it. We are so fucking weird, man. People are so fucking weird. So fucking weird, yeah. One rifle held a blank round, leaving room for doubt in the minds of the marksmen. Maybe it hadn't been them that had killed him. And like, how do you, who signs up for this shit? Yeah, we'll you know? talk, yeah, I'll talk briefly about that. But yes, who? Not fucking me. Maybe I will do. No, it's fucking <sighs> no, it's weird. So it's fucking so barbaric. weird. It's yeah. so barbaric. 
Rodney Gardner, who was 49 years old, was pronounced dead at 12.17 a.m. He became the third inmate in Utah and in the United States to be executed by firing squad since a nationwide moratorium on the death penalty was lifted in 1976. Mm -hmm. This is 2010 he was killed by firing squad. I remember hearing little murmurs of this. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Most often, people who volunteer for firing squad executions are police officers. Mm-hmm. One described it as, and this isn't, these quotes I'm getting ready to say aren't, they didn't admit that they were part of Ronnie's right. execution, but had been a part of other firing squads. So one described it as an, quote, assignment, nothing more than getting an order to do something like kicking in a door to serve a warrant. That's fucking disturbing. deeply fucking disturbing yes 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 another likened these executions to quote returning a defective product to the manufacturer i'm so mad that's disgusting if you don't think that's disgusting you should probably go see a therapist Mm -hmm. because you are disassociating and a sociopath probably and in charge of people's well-being in the world it's not okay another one said quote he had issues about shooting a guy strapped in a seat helpless but the state had ordered us to do this and we had a job to do i don't regret doing it but i would never do it again yeah. Yep. Yep. After the execution, Utah Attorney General Mark Shirtliff said, quote, Ronnie Lee Gardner will never kill again. He will never assault anyone again. Now Ronnie Lee Gardner will be held accountable to a higher power, and I pray he will find more mercy than he showed his victims. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Motherfucker. I hate this stuff because it's just ugh, the lack of humanity all the way around it's just devastating it's devastating it's devastating that we are now put in a position to how do i even say this that that little boy wasn't helped to save lives and to save fucking everything and to so that we're not sitting here now talking about people fucking killing him from a firing squad and how disturbing that is you mm-hmm. know like the trauma and the trauma and the trauma yeah, and trauma like the fucking butterfly effect it's exactly just, it never stops rippling yep one yep. thing one yep. action one tiny mercy or act of kindness or intervention could have changed all of that yep <sighs> point for not having kids. <laughs> I'm no, not really, just for those of you who are listening and are like, God, Courtney, shut the fuck up. But I'm, I don't really think that people should not have kids and that it's a competition. But in cases like that, I'm like, just don't, just stop having children. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. just, oh my God. Well, it just makes me think about like this fucking awful bullshit that's happening in Texas, Texas and the abortion yeah. ban. And it's like, this is, we just please like we need to support families we need to support people in their decisions for their own reproduction like yep 1961 ronnie's mom like totally fucked up and in a terrible situation she probably had a terrible upbringing herself and didn't have any choices and had a bazillion children and you know it's just like no 
Yep. No. Yep. Nope. And then we make people have babies that don't want them, and then we don't support them for a fucking second. Not, not we like under support them. We make life so much harder than it has to be. Yeah, we penalize them. And we just keep going, and the children are traumatized, and they're fucking, you know, it's just, oh, God, yeah. please, 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 yes. can we just get start your heads out of your other? asses? Yes. Please, can you just get your heads out of your asses? Just remember that these politicians do not care about people. Nope. They want to make the rich richer. Yep. And they want the poor to continue to fight each other. That's what this is about. Yep. That's why Ronnie's going out killing all these beautiful angels on this earth. Yeah. So somebody can fucking... So chaos. So we're not paying attention to what they're doing. Yeah. Because anyway. they want to they wanna go to private islands and shoot birds that come straight out of cages. I'm just saying Dick Cheney. Yes. It's so not cool. It's so not cool. Nope. And then they want to do executions by firing squad so we pay more attention to that than all the other terrible details it's it's just so fucked up so fucked up well thank you for telling that horrendously awful story that nobody should have to hear but everybody should have to hear required listening (laughs) (laughs) everybody should play that that right after channel one is channel one still in schools i don't think so so. (laughs) channel one for those of you who don't know was it was, uh, like, Lisa Ling, a couple people were on Channel One that are now famous. I can't remember who else, but definitely Probably, Lisa uh, Ling. Justin Timberlake. <laughs> it was definitely Justin Timberlake yeah. and Billie Eilish. Just there kidding. She wasn't born. But it was, like, in school news that they installed a televisions in all of our classrooms, and we were all so excited, and then they just played this 15-minute news segment every day. Yeah. Was who that was a, behind that whole thing? And was it, like, a national thing, or was it a regional I, thing? I think it was national, but I did every school suddenly. Who paid for all those televisions? Who paid for Channel One? What was that? Anyway. Anyway, Instead of us. Channel One, they just every day need to play this episode of our podcast. Seriously. So that, children make better decisions about everything mm-hmm. <laughs> moving forward yep i know it's uh you know you think we would learn we've been doing this podcast for a while now that i i find headlines right like that's what yeah. you do and then you're like oh this is a crazy story and then you get into it and you're like no this is not crazy this is fucking terrible and sad. devastating yeah yeah because murder is terrible and sad and and uh yeah people who murder are usually pretty terrible and sad so yeah, but I really don't like the ones where there was an avoidable, you know, where it was mm-hmm. avoidable, where intervention would have helped the kids. Mm-hmm. The baddies are easier when they're just right. fucking bad. You yep. know, those are easier cases. There's just no two ways about it because yep. you're like, well, there wasn't a lot you could do for that kid. He just fucking sucked or she. Mm-hmm. But these cases bother me to my fucking yes, cells, to my should. mitochondria are shivering <laughs> yes. with rage. Yeah, did speaking of baddies, did you hear that uh Slenderman what's her yes, face got released? Got released. I mm-hmm. did. Like yes. today. I did see those poor fucking deers. Oh mm-hmm. my god. That case. So that's fun. That <sighs> makes me sleep well at night. Mm-hmm. Well, was she the one was she the one that's schizophrenic or was mm-hmm. she her friend? I didn't I think it's the one that's schizophrenic. schizophrenic. Well, I think. Hopefully, hopefully have to look, but... she's getting mental health treatment i mean if her parents surely seem like based on the documentary that they give deep fucks yeah. about her well well-being yeah, and mental I health so. and you know so as far as that's concerned it's a better case scenario you know 
Right. Poor. Ugh. God. Yep. Yeah. So. So hey life is great and everything's fine and everything's fine. Yeah. I feel like it's it's been a while. We took a little break last week. That was that was good. Yeah, it sort of translates to two weeks for us, so it feels really weird to spend that much time away from you guys. I, I know. hate it. I hate it too. Um, do you want to do a they will pill update real quick? I do. And can I start? Because um, I just want to interject really quick. Yeah. And I want then I want you to tell them everything because it's all very exciting. I just wanted to clarify one point because we got a message and somebody mentioned that I take Ativan for anxiety. No, 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 no. Do not take Ativan for anxiety. That is not an appropriate use of that drug. I want to clarify that I carry Ativan with me because I have long, terrifying, debilitating, disassociative panic attacks. I talked about it early on in the the run of doing this bullshit, but basically it feels like the world turns into a fucking nightmare Mm -hmm. for me. And if I'm lucky, they last 30 minutes, but generally they last closer to three hours. And it's absolutely fucking terrifying and totally disruptive. And it's very, I, don't, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. No. I mean, it's, it's like the, the world sounds different. It feels different. You, It's like the craziest shit you'll ever experience. Yeah. I mean, it really yeah. does feel like I'm trapped in a nightmare. Like my world mm-hmm. turns into a dream. I get this funny feeling of mm-hmm. deja vu. And once it's once it starts, I can have about 30 seconds and if I can get an Ativan into my face within 30 seconds then I can usually curb it um but that's why that's why I carry it and I do not recommend people take Ativan for regular old anxiety or even severe anxiety that's not an appropriate use it's a controlled substance it's highly addictive and if you are experiencing anxiety on that level that would require something like Ativan you should take Something more like what Sadie's taking. And that is the segue into Sadie telling you what she's taking. Uh, So I have it come to find out through my therapy that I I have anxiety all the time. But I also have medical anxiety about like medical care. Right? Yeah. I think that's pretty common. So meaning, do you want to clarify what that means? Yeah, just meaning that I'm terrified of medical situations going to the dentist going to the doctor Mm -hmm. anything that can give you a bad diagnosis or if you've had a bad experience with shitty care providers or whatever all of that's just really hard so like going through my pregnancies and all of that was super anxiety producing yep and so i like to avoid it i don't like to go to, to do those things but therapy is helping me go ahead and do those things but my anxiety likes to tell me that it's going to be a terrible experience and they'll probably tell me i have like diabetes or whatever you know like right yeah the or laugh at you or, t- or shame you. Or something. Yes, yeah. right. Uh, and I'm a plus size woman. And so there's a lot of that uh, mm. that does mm. happen. So anyway, I went and everybody was so lovely. The nurse was so lovely. And the, do- the doctor came in and she's actually a physician's assistant, which is like pretty mm. much doctor, but not quite. I think that's the te- technical term for what she does. <laughs> it's like in parentheses <laughs> on her name tag. But I just mean like she can diagnose and she can yes. prescribe. Prescribe. And she can do the just like a nurse do. practitioner kind of yeah, level. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, she sat and talked to me for like 15 minutes mm-hmm. and I cried the whole time mm-hmm. and she was like, well, tell me who you are and what you want and what you need and had me like do a, a like pretty general mental health evaluation sort of Mm -hmm. survey and 
my blood pressure was a little high when I got there because I was freaking the fuck out. And she's like, I'm not worried about that. And she, I just, I tell you what, she was lovely. And Go fucking figure. What a I concept. know. I know. And she was like, I hear you and you need help and this isn't normal and you can feel better. And it was, I just like, really, I just sat there and sobbed and that's what I needed. Yeah. Um, and so I am taking a very low dose of Lexapro once a day. Yep. And it's been, what is today? It's Monday right now. Uh, it'll be two weeks on Wednesday mm-hmm. and I cannot tell you how much better I feel. Hooray! Hip hip hooray! Yeah, I was asking my. I saw my therapist last week at some point when I had been about a week, and I was like, I don't know if it's just placebo because I'm definitely the placebo type of person. You tell me it's going to work, I'm going to feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said that no, that they say it takes three to four weeks for the full effect, but you should start feeling better, like in small doses. And two weeks in, I describe my anxiety as very slippery. Like I still feel mm-hmm. it, but it, I can't hold on to it like I could. Uh, mm-hmm. The intrusive thoughts are gone. I'm realizing that I'm just forgetting to do things that I used to obsess about. Like the boys going to school were taking really high doses, not really high doses. They were taking normal, totally normal, healthy doses for them of vitamin D. But I was like obsessed about it. Like they have to take their vitamins. And, you know, I just, it's different. I'm not afraid of COVID right now. It's just sort of like, yeah, it's there and I want to be careful, but I'm not paralyzed by the fear I'm so fucking glad. It's amazing. What a relief. Yeah, it's amazing. So we'll see. You know, I also, it's Mm -hmm. been a really good couple of weeks. I'd say like the last two weeks have been pretty good in general. And my boys have been healthy. Um, And so I'm kind of waiting to see when they get another cold, what that will feel like for me. Because that's really what triggered a lot of my like super duper anxiety before that around COVID. But they're still going to school and like being exposed and, and I'm not having panic attacks about it. So. And that's appropriate. You yeah. Know, it's like we, Sadie and I were talking about it after she got her uh, prescription. And, you know, anxiety is helpful. It's, you should have it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to tell you that maybe you should pay attention to something. But if you are having full fucking, like, ice in the blood panic. Yeah. Just the thought know. of it would make me cry. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yes. Like that is an OCD thinking. That's one of the things about anxiety that drives me fucking batty is that OCD level thinking yep. where you just spin and spin and spin and spin. Like that's yep. not healthy. No. It's not okay. And I was doing that about everything, like not just COVID, but just like anything that would happen that was uncomfortable or like bad in my life. I wouldn't be able to let it go. Yep. Um, I was losing sleep. That's the yep. other thing. Like I can fall asleep. I wake up. I can go back to sleep. I wasn't Ugh. doing that very well. It's just like... It's night and day, guys. So if you're experiencing that and you're... And I was nervous. I'm going to be honest. I got that prescription and I sat on it and it was right about bedtime. And I was I was saying to Ryan, like, I feel nervous. And he was like, well, what do you think is going to happen? And I was like, I don't know. It just, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to let go. And yep. I'd never taken any sort of brain meds before. And yep. he was like, if you don't like it, then you'll stop. And yeah. then you can go back to like fucking crippling anxiety if you want. <laughs> yeah, if you miss that shit. Yeah, and my therapist is, she talks a lot about how, you know, it's common for people when you experience high levels of anxiety, you kind of get attached to it. And you you think that it's protecting you in some way. And if you let it go, then you're not going to have that protection. And so we talk a lot about that in therapy, about what does that look like for me to let it go and how to contain it. And EMDR and all of that has helped. But um, 
she was like, no, do the pills. It's going to just make your journey a lot easier. And mm-hmm. she's she's exactly right. So oh, I'm so glad. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad. Aren't you all so glad? Yeah. So if you have questions or you just are feeling a little nervous about it, I think that's really normal. And yes. I'm not pushing drugs on everybody, you know, but I want to normalize it. And then it's okay if you need yeah. help. Um, go talk to somebody about it and see what there's a bazillion choices and there's dna tests you can do that will tell you which which brain meds will be best for your genetics and shit like oh yeah lots of ways to make this work for you yeah it's it's so different and i think we're a generation that grew up with like lithium prozac (laughs) you know things that were really invasive and like really fucked up people like was not a fun experience and lexapro yeah yeah or like kill your sex drive like there's mm-hmm. this, all these different like really intense physiological changes that people are experiencing and that's just not the case anymore there's so many different options for things you can do and he, yeah if you need to fucking do it my doctor gave me a, a prescription for lexapro back in the day when i showed up looking like a fucking <laughs> houseless person sobbing and you know trying right. to like drug seeking um, and I knew at the time that it wasn't like totally appropriate. You know, I just mm-hmm. knew that I don't need it all the time. I just need it twice a year. <laughs> right. <laughs> but looking back, now that I look back, I actually did need it. You know, I was, my anxiety was not quite at your level because I'm not a parent. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm not a parent because I know I could not handle the anxiety that comes from parenting. But had I taken it back then, I, if a lot of things would have been very different. And mm-hmm. I definitely think, I know now that my anxiety's, you know, turning 40, your anxiety's like, I gotta go. And you're like, get the fuck out of here. You know, it's just mm-hmm. something that happens and I can't really explain it. But I do think that life would have been a lot easier for me. And I might have like kind of gotten a little bit further ahead. And, you know, I think that mm-hmm. things would have been different if I wasn't trying to be so fucking controlling of things mm-hmm. and blunt, like being so hard on myself and not, you know, just spending so much time worrying about what other people fucking thought about me, that would have been a very different experience, you know? Yeah. So I'm very yeah. proud of you for doing it. And Thanks. I'm very proud of anybody who does it. And well, I just have a part of me back that has been gone, has been kind yeah. of covered up for a very long time. And like, I was driving yeah. down the road today and I was like, like, I just haven't been very happy. I mean, I really haven't been for a very long time. And I couldn't, you know, like, of course, we've been also been through fucking hell. But it's just reminding me that even in really hard times, scary times, with the proper support, it doesn't yeah. have to be so hard and scary, no. you know, and by me not living every day and fear doesn't take away from the experience of others that are going through like actual legitimate, hard, hard, terrible right. times. Exactly. Um, I don't have to like sit and wallow in it to honor that or whatever, you know? Yeah. Which no, is sometimes what my anxiety wants me to believe. hundred percent. Same. Yeah. Same. And like, I just think it's a real fucking waste of a good day to have mm-hmm. a bad day on behalf of someone else, right. you know? Right. And I, when I'm having a, you know, like with Laura's health or something and when we're in the middle of a, really fucking bad day i'm so pissed at every day that i didn't mm-hmm. like that i wasted you know what i yeah. mean yeah so I do. 
Um, I got yeah, a couple names. We want some names if we want to transition from all of that to something that really matters. Yes. So the reason we took last week off is because part of the reason is because Laura and I drove out to Provincetown, Massachusetts, and who boy, the East Coast is just riddled with funny <laughs> names. <laughs> um, Wound Socket, which was on the, the post, my favorite, my personal favorite name of all the names on the, I posted on Instagram. It's like the funniest names of towns in all the states. Wound Socket, Rhode Island. We passed Wound Socket. Yes. I pumped my fist. Um, we also passed Belcher Town. Belcher Town. <laughs> Belcher Town. Yes. Uh, we passed Mashpee. <laughs> and we passed Sandwich. Oh, no. I need to move to Sandwich. Sandwich. I think I'm pretty sure Sandwich, Massachusetts. Fuck. I'm so cute. Um, no, I love a sandwich. <laughs> We've covered that before. Stanishes and sandwiches. It's all Sadie can talk about. (laughs) Um, There's a bitch lake. (laughs) That's where I need to live. (laughs) Honey, girlfriend, yes. Yes. Uh, Flip on my bitch switch. I'll be on bitch lake on my pontoon boat cracking fucking four locos. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch lake. Bitch lake. Well, of course, I'd be a wave runner. I wouldn't have a pontoon. Maybe I'll have a (laughs) pontoon. You know, like, uh-huh. what do you do on Bitch Lake? Wave Runner. Um, <laughs> rudely, like eastbound and down. Yes. <laughs> Somebody sent us. I can't remember who this person is, but she was in the news. Her name was. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Karen Swallow Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> Just sit with it. Write it down so you can see. Just spend some time with that name. Because Karen, Karen, first of all, right. Swallow Prior. Wasn't she... She was like an abortion... A lawyer or something? Um, I feel like she was a good guy. Do you feel like she was no, a good guy? No, I think... Was she a bad guy? God, I wish I could remember. I, can't, I wish I could remember, too. I'm so sorry. I didn't Please, write it Please, whoever down. gave us this name, tell us again. Karen uh, Swallow Prior. Because there was something about sperm. I don't know. <laughs> it definitely, right? Like yes. reproduction of some sort. Anyway, yes. God, we ruined it. Give it to us. Tell us again so we can tell um, the story again. Yes. <laughs> then I don't have to say sperm again, ever again. <laughs> um, and uh, Darren sent me a photo. My buddy Darren, near here, somewhere around here, he past a place called or i think it was a van that said head zeppelin barbershop yes <laughs> i'm only for now forever going to head zeppelin oh barbershop that's so funny yep also before we start shouty outies if we have some i do want to uh a listener actually n- knows the family of dr anthony garcia which is my last case holy shit yep and said they are very lovely people as reported, but that he is pretty deeply mentally ill. I mean, obviously, the guy fucking held a grudge for seven years and 11 years, you know. There's really no way around it. No, there's something seriously fucking wrong with that, but he, yeah, confirmed serious mental illness. Serious. So, Mm -hmm. thank you for 
reaching out and sharing that. Very much appreciate it. Yep. And we guys get each other mental health. <sighs> Seriously. Help. It's, it's necessary. <sighs> um, I really, you know, it's good for my mental health. You guys giving us money for yeah. extra suspicions. What episodes <laughs> and suspicions. Yes. Uh, thank you so much to Mallory D. Mallory does it every single day. She goes outside and does it anyway. She does it. She does it. Everybody sees her do it and says, go, Mallory, go. <laughs> uh, we, you're going to have to do another sonnet. <gasps> we got a 20? Yeah, it's Canadian okay. dollars. But I think that oh, still shit. translates. Right? They have sonnets in Canada. <laughs> Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna give them one right now. Thank Do we you. have sonnets in the United States? Now that I probably say it, not. no, that's uh, all UK shit, right? Yeah, Those probably French. I don't know, yeah. really British. Yep, we have beers, boot scooting boogies. <laughs> that's our sonnet. Uh, thank you so much to Haley Y. Haley Y. Haley Y. Haley. Why? I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> I forget how sonnets go. I, what's iambic pentameter, guys? I need to get into my am, iambic pentameter. Haley, why? In the night, she's a thrill, a delight. Haley, now, Haley, then. When? 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 <laughs> mm, tom, uh, mm, good morrow, tomorrow, <laughs> he says with a wink. <laughs> she blushes she flushes she washes her she, hands in the sink <laughs> she does yep i was gonna give her a fucking drink of wine but uh, sadie's gonna have her <laughs> having good hygiene i guess you need to up your dose of lexapro because you're still worried about covid you were having her in the bathroom flushing <laughs> no she was flushed with the light in her cheeks <laughs> She's flushed with romance. Oh, I thought she was flushing the toilet. <laughs> I had her like Shit. flirting and twirling, and yeah. you just have her like <laughs> flushing the john. Make sure she washed her hands before she returns to work. Like we pan out, and Haley just works at a fucking KFC. <laughs> Sorry, Haley. I tried, oh, Sadie. Sure. I ruined it. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much Haley <laughs> thank you so much Haley uh, thank you so much to Jessica S Jessica Slithers she's a sassy one she's a slitherous sassy one <laughs> <laughs> don't try to catch her she's slippery she's slippery through your fingers cannot catch her sassy one. Oh shit oh my god okay so this shout out is to my Growing up, BFF. <gasps> well, she's her name is Tamara, but I know her as Tammy. Yep. M. You little sweetheart. <laughs> I was going to call her a bad name, but I, I don't want to do that. No, because we love her. 
sure. She and I, Tammy and I, became best friends on the bus in like the third grade. Mm-hmm. She used to drive this bitch in Camaro. Mm-hmm. Laura won't let me get a Camaro, even though I keep begging her. She won't let me get one. And I'm like, uh, but we'll get a bitch in one. She's like, no. man. Tammy, do you still have your bitch in Camaro? Does your mom have it? Probably. She was like, a, she is a sister. I love you. She's I also a scientist. You. A real yes. one. Yes. She's a badass, mm-hmm. adorable kid. Ugh, such a cute and kid. And didn't even know she was listening to the podcast. Um, I remember once we had to shovel a huge snapping turtle out of the driveway. <laughs> you know, just random things. When I think, I'm thinking about I'm, her Camaro. We had we were in her Camaro, and our other friend lived up this long driveway, and we went up over a little hill, and there was this huge snapping turtle in the middle of the driveway. We couldn't. We'd like drag it if we tried to go over it because the Camaro was low. And so we had to get a snow shovel, like shovel the shit out of the truck. Anyway. Well, and you know what? That was the moment that her love of science began. Yeah, it probably <laughs> is. So seriously, she's like a salamander. Anyway, uh, thank you, Timmy. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank you're you to every last damn one of you. That's right. Call me next time you're in town and we will hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, follow me, Courtney X seventy nine on Peloton. And <laughs> oh wait, we have more shout outs. <laughs> we do what? I was just interjecting. I'm uh, sponsored by Peloton now. I wish. I wish too. Uh, I can't believe you have more. Well, we had two weeks off, so true. They built up. Uh, thank awesome. you so much to Morgan C. Morgan, Courtney, Morgan and Courtney, we are best of friends. Morgan and Courtney, here they come a run, and everybody don't try to stop them now. Morgan and Courtney, I don't know why I turned you into two people, and one of them is me, but I hope you want to hang out with me because you don't have a choice. <laughs> you know she does. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much to J.M., Ooh, ooh, I love a criddle. I love it. Stands for Jazzy Mannequin. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jazzy Mannequin. Yeah. (laughs) Shit, dude. Uh, Last but not least. (laughs) Oh, God. Thank you so much to Genevieve F. Oh, fuck you. Okay. This is, I think, our second Genevieve how is that even possible? Shit, How do we have know. two gorgeous ladies of leisure, flaxen hair, motherfucking mm-hmm. halls of marble? I don't, what do you even do when your name is Genevieve? <laughs> you just twirl around. Listen to They Will Kill. Yeah. Have someone brush your hair, your flaxen yes. fucking hair. Yep. God. Thank you, Genevieve. Congratulations on having the best name. <laughs> Uh, but thank you most of all to Jazzy Mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. There's another there episode. Yeah, we did it. Follow we me on uh, Peloton, Courtney X79. <laughs> that I really your don't... Peloton Yes, handle? yes. Uh, I don't know what following each other does or means, but, but apparently that's what you do. Maybe we take classes together. But no, we're not doing that because I do believe that you can... I haven't been able to take a live class, but I do believe you can video chat with your friends in live classes. I've only seen one person give birth. It's you, my sister, uh-huh. Sadiac. 
I am 100% sure that the faces and noises that I am making while riding Peloton are the closest you can get to giving birth without <laughs> actually giving birth. So I'm sure I'm going to go ahead and nix that uh-huh. idea. Yeah. Nobody's going to no, see me on my Peloton. Wants, no. But we can like encourage each other or whatever. Yeah. High fives and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we love you. Also, we have Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's at They Will Kill. We have a website called theywillkill.com. You can also email us at any time, theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. And we fucking love it when you rate, yep. review, and subscribe to us. Yep. We got a nice one. I saw that. They and said, yes, uh, we are BFFs. We're yeah, besties. Or 100%. You. Yes. Uh, hey, thanks uh, to AJ Brigands for our music. Yes. Thank They're you babies. So much. I know. The Turn a year old tomorrow. 100% the age of consent for me to consent to myself to sue them. Yep. Yep. So get ready, babies. Get ready. Also, um, Bill turned one and we missed oh it. Oh, my God. I know his birthday was September 9th and we just realized it last night. Oh, my God. Don't tell him. Okay, well, won't. Bill won't is basically it. the same as AJ and Sandra's twin. So cute. How is that possible? I know. Um, and remember... Did you watch that video I sent you about the evil stick? (laughs) The evil stick? I'll resend it to you. I, okay. Uh, DBurke312, I think is the TikTok account. My new favorite fucking TikTok account. It's a scary TikTok account. Yeah, send it to me again. Okay. Well, I'll make this long story short because these ad remembers are supposed to be short, but I just want to talk about the evil stick for one second. This mom went to a fucking dollar store in Ohio. <gasps> I did. What? I read this? that. I read. Yes. Uh, yes. I watched it and then I had to go read an article about it. Yes. It's exactly the same. Because okay. it's true. Because I was like, there's no way this is true. Yes. Bought this little pink wand with a star on top for her child at a dollar store. It's called evil stick. All one word. <laughs> But you know how it is. You're just like, yeah, "Yeah, that looks cute. She'll love that. But it is called Evil Stick. (laughs) She brings it home. And it says all over it, like, "Will we will play you music or whatever. Plays enchanting music. She gets it home. She pushes it. And it cackles like a fucking creep. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not cute. It's not magical. And it also lights up. Like, the star on the top lights up. And you can see an image behind the star. There's, like, a piece of... um, shiny paper and you can see an image behind it <laughs> the image that was inside of her child's evil stick was of a woman with no pupils in her eyes fucking cutting herself <laughs> it is absolutely terrifying god and so people f- went and like investigated and sure and like every evil stick had a different character inside of it but there were a few at least two two confirmed that had this woman with no pupils cutting herself on her arms like bleeding they figured out it was an artist who did this whole series on like self-harm like foot photographs somebody in china where they manufactured this fucking evil stick found this guy's art whited out her eyes and then put these images of these little children's toys called evil stick Ooh, it's so so, weird and i salute the fucking weirdo 100 (laughs) percent right yes 100 percent uh weirdo yep here i'm gonna send you this garbage toy to 
the United States. Like, good luck, kids. Good luck, kids. Some of you are going to get traumatized. <laughs> it's so weird, so and cool. it's true. So yes. go look it up. It's true. Yeah, I it's think there weird. was a mental floss article that I read. Yes, yes, yes. It was like, aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. Um, so I don't ignore the things you sent. I totally did. And then I immediately put it out of my mind, apparently. Because it's so creepy. It's terrifying. (laughs) Absolutely terrifying. I would shit my pants. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, there you go. My three-year-old recently wanted, he picked out like some cheap-ass $2 baton at at Kroger or whatever. Uh I bought it for him. And then he immediately broke it. And that's all I could think when I was reading about the evil stick. Like, could. I probably just threw the evil stick in my house away. Before. They're everywhere. Hopefully, they're everywhere. Yes. And I hope you all find them. And I hope you have good nights. And, and I love you. Love you. And we love you. Yes. And goodbye. We'll see you another time. Goodbye. Yes, we will. Goodbye. Goodbye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.